Dang it, brown bears. One more stretch for the road. Do it. Oh, no, you're yawning. <laughs> yes. Oh. We're not psychopaths. Is it sociopaths? I think it's No, it's a sociopath because they can't empathize. Oh, well. We're not either, but. And we didn't need a yawn to, you know, confirm that. But it's good to have confirmation, I guess. Yeah, it's good to just check in once in a while. Do a little yawn test. Yeah. You know, that's what you should do at the beginning of every first date. Yawn? Yawn. It's a good idea. Mm -hmm. Just get it out of the way. Yawn and what else could we do to test them? Check how much they leave for a tip. Yes. Mm -hmm. Or if they're mean to the waiter. Get out of there. Also pay attention to how they talk about their mother. Mm. And their Mm -hmm. exes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a different podcast. (laughs) All of this. See if they would ever be interested in haunting anyone. That's a big no. It's a red flag. Mm, no, just straight up ask them if they were a ghost. <laughs> what type of ghost would they be? We kind of talked about that today, actually, on this podcast that's haunted or hoax. Yeah. And I'm Jennifer. <laughs> I'm Kristen. I did forget my name there for a second. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually laughing because I said, I think when you um, edit this, it'll sound like I said podcast. Instead of podcast, this is a podcast where we talk about ponds and wetlands. (laughs) Today, we are going to be talking about the flora that lives in the bottom of your pond. (laughs) Those aquatic creatures. I'm stopping. (laughs) How many tadpoles is too many tadpoles? I'm sure that would be interesting to someone, though, but not to us. We're talking about ghosts. (laughs) We're talking about ghosts. Specifically... One's over the pond. <gasps> there we go. Nice little connection. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing a UK story today. One we that's are. probably well known. I get. I mean, I would think. I feel like it is. Yeah. But maybe you don't realize that you know it. This is from The Conjuring 2. Yes. It is the Enfield Poltergeist of North London. Ooh. There you go. Yeah, that could be a haunted house attraction, mostly. Um, in your entirety, it's <laughs> just the whole thing. My whole being is one big please, haunted house. Please dress up as a haunted house next year. Oh, that'd be so great. Uh, I was the devil's secretary this year. I painted myself red, and people were really enjoying that commitment. So be fitting to go as a haunted house you could do it get one of those doll houses and just put them on suspenders yeah and then like put a little steeple on my head mm-hmm. with a little lightning made out of construction paper mm-hmm. and bring <laughs> and bring one of those things that you wiggle around to make thunder sounds <laughs> bring some little condiment bottles and use them as your ectoplasm and just like yeah have a little ghost pop out of the windows every few minutes don't steal my idea (laughs) please (laughs) to be developed um but we're actually talking about a real haunted house also to be developed to be determined Um, (laughs) (laughs) and that is the enfield house we're just gonna jump into it i think yes i feel like i have to go into a little bit of like a this and that of hauntings because this place is called 
the Enfield poltergeist mm-hmm. case a lot. And uh, besides the most famous movie, the poltergeist, what is the poltergeist? Like, what the fuck do they mean when they say that? Because you hear it interchangeable with like ghost and haunting. So I got a little information on that just so we can all be on the same page of what a poltergeist is. Mm-hmm. So I got this off of the difference between .NET. And they said that there are many similarities between a just a ghost and a poltergeist. Um, and there's also many differences that set them apart. A ghost activity is called a haunting, while a poltergeist activity is termed as a disturbance. Ooh. I mean, haunting, I guess, seems more spooky to me, but whatever. Disturbance means, like, I guess more dangerous. Uh, ghosts are considered to be spirits of the deceased human beings who still refuse to leave the realm of the living. They appear in different forms like complete bodies, transparent entities, foggy mists. Poltergeists are considered more the forms of energy, which a living person controls unknowingly. Oh, Carolian. So, that makes sense. Yes. So... While a poltergeist shows its presence by moving or influencing physical objects, a ghost is more likely to just make an appearance, which is like what I guess confuses me because you you hear about stories like ghosts and demons moving things and touching you. So is there some sort of overlap between what a ghost is and what a poltergeist is? Or am I just thinking that things are ghosts and they're actually poltergeists? There are some theories that say that ghosts are the living soul and the poltergeist is a manifestation of negative energy left by a gruesome death. And there's also some theories that ghosts are like passive souls of the dead and poltergeists are more aggressive souls. So there's like a few ways that people kind of turn and distinguish between them. So it's like not really well defined. Yeah. It's very... uh gray area because i always thought like a poltergeist would be more so like things obviously being moved around yeah and that's like one of the just main characteristics that they go into and really harp on that poltergeists are the ones that are like making things fly across the room or you know making you fall down the stairs that sort of thing they're much more physical in the way that they're affecting you whereas ghosts are i guess more uh, mental and emotional mm-hmm. you could say there's also like a little bit of a tidbit where they say ghosts are also known to haunt places where the deceased used to live before their death uh poltergeists are usually not confined to one particular area and a lot of them are associated with like objects like cursed things Mm, like that teapot that you brought home from the antique store right like annabelle oh i mean yeah i guess that's another example i I know we don't like to talk about her she's very lovely we just say very positive things about her over on this podcast because she's she's a very nice nice little girl anyway there is another difference where ghost energy is continuous over time and Like, there's no really, like, downtime with a ghost haunting, right? Whereas poltergeist activity apparently 
will build up, 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 up and reach a climax and then it'll slow down and you think it's over and then it'll kind of build up, 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 up and again, like a wave. Mm-hmm. And this is why poltergeists are difficult to be sent away or to really determine if the activity is truly over because they're known to kind of like die down and then the energy build back up with, I guess, the outside stressors of like human energy kind of playing off of that. So that's the information I have for poltergeist. I hope you're all still confused like I am. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for the clarification-ish. Ish. It's clarification adjacent. So basically, I was always under the impression that poltergeists were negative energy, but it wasn't like any specific person. So when I read about the Enfield poltergeist haunting, I was a little confused because there is actually a spirit that comes in later but I don't think it's necessarily they're saying that the, his spirit's trapped there. It's just like the w- negative way in which he dies has influence over the people in this house. This takes place in August of 1977, and it involves single mom Peggy and her children, Margaret, Janet, and there's two other little boys. I can't remember their names. <laughs> so... so. They're not really involved in the story anyway. They aren't. It's mostly Margaret and Janet. So there's a period of time, about 18 months, where this whole thing is taking place. And it starts really, really soon after they move in. And Janet has been quoted by the Daily Mail who, by saying it started in a back bedroom, the chest of drawers moved and you could hear shuffling. Thinking it was Janet and her siblings making the noise, her mother came in and told them to go to sleep and they told her what was going on and she came to see it for herself and the chest of drawers were moving like in front of her eyes. And when she tried to push it back, she couldn't get it to budge. Mm. And that kind of was like the start of everything. Things moved on their own quite a lot in this place there would be toys that were thrown loud noises children levitating disembodied voices all that sort of classic horror movie exorcist kind of stuff Mm -hmm. one thing that people really liked to to talk about with this this haunting was the knocking the knocking was said to fade in and out and it ran down the wall and it frightened the family so much that they supposedly all slept in the same room with the night the light on at night. There was a neighbor named Vic Nottingham who claims that when he went into the home to investigate at the family's request, he heard a knocking on the wall and on the ceiling, and it frightened even him. And there is a clip, there's an interview that was done with Janet that during the interview, you can hear the knocking Mm -hmm. I don't have that clip, but there is like a Daily Mail news sort of interview that went on that you can hear that that clip. So I think that maybe you probably have the same source uh, for some of your things as I do. If you found the History versus Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I kind of just skimmed over some of those things. There is a moment in the movie in The Conjuring 2, where Janet rises in a chair, like she's in a chair and she rises in the air and she's pinned against the ceiling. There are actual photographs of 
Janet Hodgson levitating from above her bed. Have you seen the pictures? Mm -hmm. Have you seen them all together Mm -hmm. in motion? Mm -hmm. So there's the claim is that she levitated out of her bed. And I will post the pictures on Instagram. I think that everybody has kind of seen them by now, but I will post them anyway. A lot of people think that she just jumped from her bed. Why would they think that? Because there's a picture of her on her bed standing. And then a moment later, she is in the air. Clearly looks like some kid just jumping off their bed. I feel like maybe they shouldn't have made that first picture public. (laughs) If you wanted to convince people. No, they were doing the the three photo rule before, during, and after. (laughs) Right. Before, fake, during, fake, after, fake. Um, I'm not going to say 100% if they're fake. It just looks very convenient to me that she's like got a firm plant planted foot on the bed. And then a second later, she doesn't. It'd be very easy for her to use that as momentum to be in the air. Did you see the gif of them all put together? Yeah. It's just perfect. It looks like a stop motion film. It does. It does. Of her just jumping off of her bed. Mm -hmm. They were taken by the Daily Mirror photographer, Graham Morris. And Janet has been said saying the levitation was scary. She didn't know where she was going to land. On the floor, obviously. (laughs) Just through the window. Just taken, you know, shot in the dark. But the levitation has always been like a point of like where I guess a lot of people feel like this is a hoax. Mm -hmm. That's like a key piece of evidence that people really pick apart. I didn't really go in too much about the research about who they send in, but supporting the family's claims were two witnesses, a baker and a lollipop lady, which how vaguely specific. I want to be a lollipop lady. <laughs> That'll be the year after next Halloween okay. costume. I know I want that as a career. Oh, how do you how does one become a lollipop lady? I would like to know what does that entail if you're in the UK and this is a specific thing. I want to know what it is, is and how I become of, one. Is this like UK slang? Like, are we thinking lollipop and it's not actually lollipop? Right. If it's gross, I don't want to do it. But if it's just literally selling candy on a stick, you know, I, like, I would do it. There is a good percentage of our listeners now just cackling at us. <laughs> I know. They're like stupid Americans. <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> don't but... tell them. <laughs> Please tell me. I'm so nosy. I want to know, but I'm too lazy to Google it. They said that they were passing by outside and claimed to have seen Janet hovering above her bed as they looked through an upstairs window. First of all, what are you doing? Looking lollipop for lady and baker. Lollipoppers. Oh. No. Going, <laughs> going door to door, selling your baked goods and candy. Also, how did you see through an upstairs window? You must be a very tall lollipop lady. <laughs> you built stilts from your lollipop sticks. <laughs> used the breadsticks. And the baker used his breadsticks, his baguettes, and lifted themselves and saw from the upstairs window. I don't know. But they claim to have seen her hovering above her bed. Janet actually said, the lady saw me spinning around and banging against the window. I thought I might actually break the window and go through it. So I'm thinking that maybe they just, they heard her go like 
a bird running into your window they heard that and then they looked up they're like oh it's a kid (laughs) oh my god have you seen that reel of the two girls it was like the most english conversation that you could hear it was literally just two girls riding down the road in the car and the the girl like turns off the music the driver and the other girl looks at her and the girl was like what is that noise (laughs) and they both like look and the other girl goes it's the scrubber you twat (laughs) (laughs) so i just imagine like (laughs) this baker and this candy woman walking down like did you hear that noise Just like that girl. The this, this child pressed her with her face <laughs> pressed up against the window. Just head running in <laughs> over and over again. Also, we're sorry about our English accents. Um, oh, I'm not keeping that in. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Embarrass ourselves for entertainment. But yeah, so I mean, there's no no name of this baker or lollipop lady. Uh, so I don't have any sort of like validity towards that, but they are witnesses of the levitation, supposedly. The family actually sought help from the Society for Physical Research, SPR. Uh, did you find it? It's not what we thought. Oh, no. It's a crossing guard. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that called a lollipop lady? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> She's holding a stick with a round sign on the top of it. <laughs> it's not a lollipop, though. Why is that called a lollipop lady? Oh, <laughs> guard. All right, you guys have permission to laugh at me. Guys. <laughs> oh. Now it makes even less sense that the baker's there. Oh my god, the example <laughs> sentence is great. The traffic has got a lot worse since she started as a lollipop lady 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Uh, is the baker still a baker? <laughs> the baker. <laughs> oh wait. <laughs> <laughs> is that me? Does that mean policeman or something? I don't trust myself anymore. <laughs> <laughs> He's the local joint roller. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I looked that up. Oh, it's so funny. Oh, all of our UK listeners are going to stop listening. <laughs> Please don't go anywhere. Uh, where was I? I'm sure my dreams were shattered. Because um, this is still about ghosts somehow. <laughs> Um, The family sought help from the Society of Physical Research, SPR, which I think that we've mentioned before. They're very big, very important. I don't know, sound stuffed up now because I was like cry laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It sent its investigators, Maurice Gross and Guy Lyon Playfair. Just two. Are those real? (laughs) Just two amazing names. They're poltergeist experts who subsequently wrote a book called This House is Haunted about this place. Um, sounds like a TLC series. This house is haunted. Let's flip it. That's a new HGTV Halloween special. That's not what we're talking about right now. We're off subject all over the place. And I just got the thought of, <laughs> do people in the UK call all ghosts pol- poltergeists? 
and we just call them ghosts. Are they the same thing? And they just. No, I genuinely (laughs) thought poltergeists were the ones who move furniture. Like they're the ones who are very physical. That's what I think. When you think of poltergeist. Yeah. Like there's going to be like some sort of physical manifestation. Whereas ghosts are like, ooh. (laughs) I mean, that's what I thought too. But now I just question everything in my life since the lollipop. See, ghosts are the ones who will like push Zach Bagans, but poltergeists are the ones who are going to rearrange your living room for you. Gotcha. I like them. Well, we'll see. <laughs> uh, Gross told uh, Will Store, who was doing his own book, that as soon as I got there, I realized that the case was real because the family was in a bad state. Everyone was in chaos. <clears throat> He also went on to say when he first got there, nothing happened for a while. And then he experienced (laughs) Lego pieces flying across the room and marbles that when you pick them up, they were hot to the touch. I'm just laughing because obviously Lego pieces are the thing that are the toy you would toss around. If you're going to be taken out by any toy, it's going to be a Lego. Exactly. And also... (laughs) I laughed at the marble thing because they were hot to the touch. I nannied for this little boy a while back and he had all these marbles, these very cool marbles. And we were playing with them one day and I was like, Oh, like, you know, what do these marbles do? And he's, and he was like, they have, they have stuff inside them. And I said, Oh, what do they have inside them? And he said, dead people. <laughs> and I put one down very, very slowly. So marbles are inherently paranormal. Apparently. How did they get in there? I don't know. I didn't ask, honestly. I just accepted it. So many questions. If a child tells me that there's something dead inside of one of their toys, I'm just going to go with it. Because Did you did you tell your employer? No. Why would I do that? <laughs> he might be you don't the... think that <laughs> You don't think that she might want to know that there are dead people in her son's marbles? You know what? What if she like... loses them? She will have lost her marbles and the dead people. <laughs> Listen, they were all neatly put in this bag. So I think they're safe. Hopefully. I didn't take any with me. Is it um, a body bag at that point or a marble bag? <laughs> Both. <laughs> he also said he was standing in the kitchen and t-shirt leapt off the table and flew onto the other side of the room while he was standing by it. So there was a lot of physical things. But the other main thing about this haunting was that Janet was supposedly possessed and she was possessed by a man named Bill Wilkins, who was the last owner of the house. There is a recording of an eerie voice coming from Janet when they're doing an interview that is supposedly Bill and he is describing in graphic detail the moment of his death apparently through janet he says just before i died i went blind and then i had a hemorrhage and i fell asleep and i died in the chair in the corner downstairs apparently when he was possessing her he was very foul-mouthed he confirmed details of his life supposedly i do have a link to some of the audio recordings let me see if I can get it up. I think I have that pulled up, actually. You do? Mm-hmm. Did you listen to it at all? Some of it, yeah. It was very 
interesting. I don't know if you can call it real evidence. It's really up for interpretation at this point, um, but they do use that a lot. It's what makes me happy. It's much more than we've ever gotten. <laughs> Especially from an Ed and Lorraine yes. story. Um, exactly. So they never say in this article that the girls or their mother, Peggy, saw Bill at all. I know in The Conjuring, he does show up in like a physical spectral form, but nothing in this Daily Mirror interview or anything that I saw personally says that he showed up to them, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. So he just manipulated Janet, supposedly. And there's also some speculation about this as well, because Gross does mention early on in the investigation that like he believes that Janet is being possessed. You know, it would just be great if Bill would talk. And soon afterwards, I don't you can make an argument that it was like the spirit the spirit of Bill listening and being like, Oh, you need more, then I'll give you more. Because soon after that they do get the interview where she's growling and talking and sounding strange. Mm-hmm. Janet did tell BBC that she felt used by a force that nobody understands. I really don't like to think about it too much. I'm not sure the poltergeist was truly evil. It was almost as if it wanted to be a part of our family. It didn't want to hurt us. It had died there and wanted to be at rest. The only way it could communicate was through me and my sister. I do want to point out that there is a police officer that's mentioned that is reported to have gone into the house, a female police officer who had gone into the house and saw in the armchair downstairs levitate approximately half an inch and move close to four feet across the floor. And there are reported 30 witnesses that have seen similar strange incidents in the home. She signed an affidavit saying that she saw that armchair. So if that gives anybody validity. I don't know. I thought it was interesting that Maurice also reported visiting a neighbor friend and found one of the children there shouting, I can't move. It's holding my leg. And they had wrestled. They had to wrestle the child from what they insisted was a grip of invisible hands. So very much Salem witch trial to me. That's what I was thinking. This is like a crucible. Mm -hmm. Like this is affecting other children. So I don't know. As far as Ed and Lorraine Warren are concerned, in my research, they were only there for a day. And The Conjuring 2 has them in there much more than they were in the actual investigation. Um, But they did investigate the home. And not everybody was really happy about that, I guess, because they bring more of like a notoriety in some sort of bad way to investigations at this point. Uh, and Guy Playfair had said that they showed up uninvited. Mm-hmm. Ed Warren did say that there was an inhuman spirit phenomena that was in progress, that he couldn't record the dangerous, threatening atmosphere inside the house, but you can film the levitations, teleportations, and that stuff. And so he maintains that this place was haunted is haunted. Janet has always said that this was not a story faked in pursuit of fame or money. She didn't want to bring it while her mom was alive, but it was all true. Her mom stayed in the house for years and her mom insisted that there was still a presence that was always there kind of watching over her. And then Janet reports that it was a priest that visited that 
got the incidents to kind of quiet down. But then, of course, they never really went away, which kind of makes sense if a poltergeist kind of like goes down and then climbs. Yeah, like ebbs up. and flows. Yeah. Janet said, even my brother, until the day he left that place after my mom died, said, there's something still there. There are people that moved in afterwards in 2015. A Claire Bennett and her four sons moved into the house. She said that she didn't see anything, but she felt very uncomfortable. There was definitely some kind of presence in the house. I always felt like someone was looking at me. Her sons would wake at night and hear people talking downstairs. Claire then found out about the house's history and it all made sense. And they moved out just after two months. One of her sons said that the night before we moved out, I woke up and saw a man come into my room and I ran into my mom's room and said, we've got to move. And we did the next day. Good job. I mean, that's how you do it. You see a man in your room, leave. It's not worth it. Go into debt. Unless it's your husband. <laughs> Even that, no. <laughs> <laughs> that depends on if you like him. Um, the house is currently occupied by another family uh, who don't wish to be identified. That was at the time of this article, which was in 2015, I think. And the mother said, I've got children. They don't know about it, and I don't want to scare them. <sighs> so I don't know if... This place is still having activity. I would imagine if it's a poltergeist, then it is. So it's just ebbing and flowing. I would like to just point out also that Janet reported that she and her sister did play with Ouija boards. So there's that. That's, do it, just, that's just your daily episode reminder not to play with Ouija boards. Mm-hmm. Or you'll get possessed by some man named Bill and run into windows and scare lollipop ladies. But that's basically all I have for you. <laughs> I do have the recording, um, and I'll put that on Instagram of the interview in which they kind of give as evidence of her being possessed. We have the pictures. They're skeptical pictures as at best. Mm-hmm. I will say that I just have a little more faith in this place because Ed and Lorraine weren't very involved. <laughs> Um, and like I said, they do have these things that they're actually like, even if they can be um, scrutinized, they still showed the pictures and they still released the recordings, mm-hmm. which gives me faith that these people weren't necessarily totally trying to con us. Whereas with like the Schmerl house and um, Amityville, even though Amityville has that one picture, the things that were lost or things that they can't produce for some reason just makes it feel a lot more like intentionally Connie Mm -hmm. (laughs) instead of like a family with children who might hear some residual energy and then like turn into something else but I'm not really sure depends on what you have to say about it and about this house well I can tell you about it after a break all right be right back we'll be right back Hey guys! And welcome to Spilling the Crime, a true crime podcast hosted by... Me, Umberto Melo. And me, Jonas Grancha. Join us in this big adventure where we will be talking about crimes with a tipsy twist. How this crime happens, I want to know what the fuck is the unwrapped chocolate. Her name is Sharma Melgenlings. Magma... Magmar? Magmar Meningitis? Where is the dick, Lorena? Where is the dick? Oh! Are those your enemies? (laughs) Are they after me too? (laughs) Do you ever feel like a plastic bag? (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) And then he masturbated on the carpet. (laughs) 
Dangerous I mean, yeah, question. No, was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why? We did not agree with this. <laughs> Carol said that. Don't copy. Like, what? Don't copyright us. Don't copyright us. Yes, please don't block us. So grab your glass, because the spilling is about to begin. <laughs> so I'm gonna, because we did use somewhat the same source, I have some outside sources, but I'll like just glance over what you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Again, a big shout out to History versus Hollywood because they break things down so beautifully. And we love they that really when did. it's broken down and they cite their sources and we just we just love that. Yes. So like you said, this true story, true story, quote, quote, started on August 30th, 1977. And that allegedly started with Janet telling her mother that her brother's beds were wobbling and then they heard the loud knocking and then the furniture was moving and so on. When they heard the knocking on the walls, they went over and let their neighbor Vic Nottingham, which can you tell me a more English last name? Nottingham. Nottingham. Sir. No. All right. So he <laughs> claims that he also heard the noises and then advised them to call the police when they couldn't figure out where the source of the knocking was coming from. Right, this was part in their attic. Right. Or somebody, you know, in the walls. Edgar Allan Poe. Some I mean that happens. People live in your in your spaces, just to let you guys do. know. Nightmares, but true. Remember what we talked about before we started recording? About what? <laughs> Don't light yourself on fire. <laughs> I'm just trying to light this candle because I have a bad smell in here. I'm like, God, it's the demons, it's the demons, the salt. You can't demons. blame it on. You can't blame it on Tucker, but cannot. Whatever, I'm done. They won't light. So. <laughs> So this is all part of the BBC interview, which I will link you. I don't know if you watched it. I watched like portions of it. I tried watching it at 1.75 speed like Joe does. And it makes me not able to breathe when I watch stuff that fast. <laughs> so I <laughs> couldn't. But anyway, if you want to watch it, it's very 70s. It's very great. Uh, so the levitation. So when the police came in the interview, the interviewer, the host, whatever reads the police report and he says that the police really did see the the furniture move roughly three to four feet but i was confused why he used the term feet because i was under the impression that everybody but us uses the metric system and so when he said feet in his british accent i was don't they wouldn't that be wouldn't that be meters i don't i feel like it's and maybe it was just like the benefit for us dumb americans yeah but it was a bbc interview I mean, the BBC has, like, American channels. Well, yeah. I mean, we've all watched Downton Abbey, but I'm just saying, I'm like... Just saying, I'm just saying, I don't know. Anyway. Don't make fun of us, please. <laughs> I was just confused, and it made me question... Everything about your life. No, it made me question <laughs> the report, because oh. wouldn't it be in meters? That would be, uh. like, that would be, like, you getting a police report from an American police officer and it being in meters. Yeah. And you'd be I like, know. why did you do that? But I could just be looking into something that I don't need to because maybe they understand that feet are simpler to understand. <laughs> but regardless, they saw these this chair move and they were like, well, that's odd. And then they looked and they couldn't find anything to make it move. And they were like, well, we're going to go because, you know, ghost rearranging your furniture isn't against the law. Right. You it's can't take them like you're not going to make it into civil courts with us. So. We're going to go. So they left. There was like that levitation portion that you talked about. It is odd 
mainly because the photos, like we said in like sequential order, looks like a stop action film. I said that it looks like something that we would have done during one of our sleepovers with that new digital yeah. camera that I got that one year. Mm-hmm. We probably have something like that somewhere. Uh, definitely possessed. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the questionable photos, like you said, were taken by Daily Mirror photographer Graham Morris after the family contacted the press. So they contacted the press about it. Oh, got yeah. And then they go on to note that it should be noted that the Daily Mirror is a UK tabloid newspaper's newspaper whose stories have often proven less than credible. Mm. Isn't that also the Sun? Like the Sun is real. <laughs> I mean, like they also have the Sun, which is like another newspaper that's not very reputable. Like the isn't it ours? Like the Inquisitor, the the Inquirer, Inquirer, Inquirer. Inquisitor is real. <laughs> what? Whoa. Um, so like you kind of mentioned again ed and lorraine seem to have played a very small role in this case like way way smaller than what was portrayed in the movie and guy did mention that they should have been invited he also said that ed warren told him that he could make a lot of money off the case what a little money maker what a go-getter entrepreneur what a hustler um ed did touch on the case and its skeptics in Gerald Brittle's book, The Demonologist, stating inhuman spirit phenomena were in progress. Now, you couldn't record the dangerous, threatening atmosphere inside that little house, but you could film the levitations, teleportations, and dematerializations of people and objects that were happening there, not to mention the many hundreds of hours of tape recordings made of these spirit voices speaking out loud in the rooms. My question is, where where? are the hundreds of ours is all this footage ed if you're going to make claims you have to produce the things that you're claiming yeah i have another quote from someone this is on the ed and lorraine warren wikipedia page someone mentioned that they found common errors with flash photography and nothing evil in the artifacts that the warrens collected they did like a 13 dollar tour of their facility and they were quoted by saying this was from the New England Skeptical Society. <laughs> Sounds like solid people. They said they have a ton of fish stories about evidence that got away. And I thought that that just like summed it up. Yes, it's a perfect perfectly. description. So obviously this is more footage that got away in the one day that they were there. For the haunted or the Hollywood versus history, they said that they like interviewed for the summer. Like, they stuck around for the summer, but they also said, like, firsthand accounts, they stayed for a day. Regardless, it was not like this novel that happened in the movie. Yeah, it wasn't like The Conjuring House or anything like that where they, like, they really set up a whole shebang and what were was... there. Go ahead. Were there for a long time, although with The Conjuring House, they got mad and told them to leave, too, so. What was confusing with me was I was watching an interview it was done by Warner Brothers Entertainment, mm-hmm. I'm assuming, in like promotion of the film because it's titled The Conjuring to the Enfield Poltergeist Living the Horror. And it was like interviews with the girls and they showed them reuniting with Lorraine on the movie set. Mm-hmm. It was very emotional. And Janet was talking about like how much of a comfort Lorraine was and how comforting and helpful she was while she was there. And 
like both the girls were so happy to see her. And I was like, it seems like really built up for something that like y'all didn't really have a relationship with. Right. And it also like, but you also, I feel like that's more of a, well, I think that Lorraine just will play off of anybody's energy. LOL. But also Janet and her sister were so young when this was mm-hmm. taking place. that I feel like, you know, as a kid, you know, as an adult, you might remember things more like nostalgically or romantically um, that happened to you when you were a kid. And this is like a big thing that happened to Janet, especially. So she might have just super hyped that connection up in her mind as she's like looking back on memories. Yeah. And there was she was quoted another time. I'm going to refer to this uh, a little. It's like a little documentary type. Um, and I'll send you the link in case you want to watch it. But it it just made some of the comments from Janet a little confusing. Oh, it was also mentioned that since this case started kind of being viewed as a hoax after like some of this evidence was being picked apart, um, some saw it as like parallel proof that the Warrens were also frauds. So I think this kind of started picking the Warrens apart too. Um, and some of the recordings, Janet can be heard conveying a message with a very, like, I will admit, it is an eerie voice. I don't like mm-hmm. listening to it. Yeah. I, like, blipped my way through that YouTube video that Bill Wilkins died in the living room of the house several years earlier. She explained how he died. And then there was also, like, mentioning that she might have been uh, encouraged yeah, by to do these voices. Right. So Bill was a real person, apparently. His son, Terry, confirmed that he had died similarly to how Janet described. He had passed away in an armchair downstairs after suffering a brain hemorrhage. I just don't know about this story. And it's mainly because I couldn't find anything on it. So they moved in after Bill's wife moved out. Gotcha. And he was well known around the town. So there could have been a way for them to hear how he died. Yeah. Inevitably. I mean, the neighbors could have like been talking to them as they moved in and like, like, oh yeah, we loved Bill and I don't know his his name, Nancy, maybe. Um, And he was like, yeah, we loved Bill and Nancy. So it's a shame about Bill, you know, and the kids could have overheard their mom talking about it. So the weird thing was like, I couldn't find any record of him really. Like I kind of had to pick around and see, I found a Facebook page that was called the infield poltergeist it's like a facebook page for that um it's got janet jumping off the bed i mean levitating uh (laughs) as the cover photo and polter poltergeist the profile picture (laughs) and so people were commenting information on there that i was picking from and i was able to get that he was like bill was buried in lavender hill cemetery and i did find a William Bill Wilkins, who died in 1963, buried in there. Right. But, like, there's no mention of a son, Terry. On Find a Grave, there is a mention of a son, Terry, but it also has this whole, like, epilogue of him being involved with this poltergeist. So it just seems odd. And I'm not, I, I couldn't get as much information about it as I wanted to. Like, I checked newspapers and there wasn't an obituary. It just was strange. Yeah. But also, like, I mean, the son, like you said, did confirm the way he died and everything. Imagine, like, I want to know how his family felt 
about his portrayal in The Conjuring 2. Well, that's what I was like thinking you would get more information on like the main character of this haunting, but you really don't. And I really had to dig for the information of like even when he died. And in that documentary that I mentioned from Warner Brothers, there's like a quick snippet of the girls, Nancy and Janet. Is it Nancy? It's not Nancy. Margaret and Janet. Yeah. Nancy is the fake wife that I gave yeah. <laughs> Um, He is buried with his, wife, with his wife, but I don't remember her name. There is footage of Margaret and Janet walking through a cemetery, and they quickly say, this is actually where Bill Wilkins is buried. And then they clip to where her their mother is buried and like show her headstone and her grave but they don't show bills and they're not buried in the same cemetery so yeah that's strange it was very odd it just it was very glanced over and for it to be like the main the main person it was very explanation for what's going on right it was very Bathsheba-esque but anyway that was just my insight on it it could be real So then after all of this publicity and stuff, they had this big BBC interview. Things calmed down in 1978 after a visit from the priest. But like all of them, always, they still heard noises from time to time. Right. Then the website goes on to ask, is it possible the whole thing is a hoax? And my response to that is yes, duh. (laughs) (laughs) But they answer with a few examples. So two experts from the Society of Psychology. Psychic? Cyclic, psychical. We've discussed this before. We have. And it's a cyclical problem. I think it's <laughs> psych- psych- psychical. Psychical research. Psychical. SPR. <laughs> I'll need a PBR. No. <laughs> caught the. So the two experts from the society caught children, the two girls, bending spoons themselves. <laughs> Um, there was also instances where they were found trying to um, bend like an iron bar in the bed frame and they were found knocking on the walls. Uh, they also found it strange that no one was allowed in the room when Janet was talking in her possessed voice, which was supposedly, you know, Bill. Janet admitted herself that some of the infield hauntings events were fabricated in 1980 she told itv news oh yeah once or twice we fake things just to see if mr gross or mr playfair would catch us they always did in an article that was published in the year before the release of the conjuring 2 janet said that roughly two percent of the paranormal activity in their green street home had been faked Mm. and that just like the movie's already gonna being made so like you're not gonna say that it's all fake but yeah, and I think that, like, once you do some fake stuff, anything else that might be actually legit is just going to be negated because you did some fake shit. Yeah. Did you see the BBC interview? I watched a little bit of it. Did you watch the part where the guy asked her how it feels to be haunted? No. Okay. So during a interview that aired as the BBC TV special in 1980. Janet was asked how it feels to be haunted by a poltergeist. I'm going to send you this link if I can find it. Okay, let's see. Yeah. So in the clip, the interviewer asks, how does it feel to be haunted? And Janet responds, it's not haunted. In a very, like, 10-year-old 
mischievous way. And Margaret looks at her and goes, shut up. Yeah. And like smiles and giggles and like, it just doesn't seem serious. These girls are not terrified. Yeah. These girls don't seem like they're very traumatized or anything. It just seems like a joke. Yeah. It does seem very much like the crucible, like the Salem witch trials, like you're a witch. And then like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not serious. Yeah. Anyway, so the except people died in that, so it was kind of serious. But it was very serious. This wasn't. No. Um. So I'm gonna give y'all the link to that interview. That is at 13:40. If you want to go watch it, Janet later explains that she didn't feel like the poltergeist was evil, meaning that the house wasn't necessarily haunted. That right. was her explanation for that. Of course. So separately, a few other skeptics had some insight. Joe Nickel of the Committee for the Scientific Investigation of Claims of the Paranormal. I think we've mentioned them as well. Examined the findings of the paranormal investigators and criticized them for being over-credulous. He states that a remote-controlled still camera, the photographer was not present in the room with the girls, and it was time to take a picture every 15 seconds, revealing, and that ended up revealing pranking by the girls. Mm. He also confirms that it seems like when Janet was levitating, it looks like she's bouncing off the bed. He calls them examples of common gymnastics and says it's worth remembering that Janet was a school sports champion, not like it takes a gymnastic champion to jump, on the, jump bed. off the bed. Joe also pointed out that a tape recorder malfunction that gross attributed to supernatural activity and which SPR president David Fontana described as an occurrence which appeared to defy the laws of mechanics joe pointed out it was a particular threading jam occurring with older model reel-to-reel tape recorders so it was like not a big deal and he also says that ed warren was notorious for exaggerating and even making up incidents in such cases often transforming a haunting case into a demonic possession which sounds familiar which is on par with ed warren he he i feel like i've seen once where it's like Ed Warren didn't necessarily believe in like just benign hauntings. Like he just thought like pretty much every haunting was. You get a demon. You get a demon. He was the Oprah of demons. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also in a 2016 article by a psychology professor, Chris French in Time Out Magazine, he described five reasons why he believed the case to have been a hoax. I guess he's just like a random psychologist that was looking at this. I just thought that some of his reasonings were funny and very male psychologist. So he says the two sisters involved admitting hoaxing some of the activity. Mm -hmm. So I guess he's thinking like they admitted to some of it. So they probably did all of it. The photo of Janet levitating above her bed could just as easily been explained by Janet. Janet jumping. Right. The spirit of an old man supposedly who supposedly possessed Janet took a great deal of interest in menstruation. Did you hear that? What? (laughs) I missed that part of the interview, I guess. Uh, (laughs) He also says that eyewitnesses are notoriously unreliable, which makes it really uncomfortable when it comes to, you know, police investigations. (laughs) And he says other school school girl pranks before and after have gotten out of hand. So that blanket statement just fixes everything. Right. I just really want to throw that in. School girls lie and they prank. Those girls. Girls are the worst. Just look at the crucible. (laughs) So what happened to the family after the paranormal activity muted itself, I guess. 
the family ended up having not the best life after that. Uh, Janet married young and she left the home at age 16. Her younger brother, Johnny, died of cancer at the age of 14. Mm. The family's claims of something being something paranormal being present in the house lasted all the way up until Peggy's death, at which time Janet's brother, Billy, moved out of the home. Janet, who will be 46 at the time of The Conjuring 2's release in 2016, lost a child herself. Her son died in his sleep at the age of 18. Um, She says that she didn't want to resurrect, like you said, the painful memories of the poltergeist events when her mother was alive, but that now she was ready to tell her story. So it was also mentioned that she was a little, she was asked how she felt about the movie. Right. And she said that she was a little upset when she heard about it because she didn't know that it was happening at first. Like nobody told her and she felt excluded from it. But then in this like documentary from Warner Brothers, like she's being walked around the set of the movie. I think that at the time of the interview, she had been excluded at first and then Warner's Warner Brothers like we were like oh we need to like at least make this real like include her in some way so she doesn't like speak out against the movie Mm. is my guess i see well she was brought onto the set and that's where she was reunited with lorraine warren her and her sister so i guess she wasn't excluded in the end um just want to be a part of something yeah that's all i really have i did find a reddit thread somewhere there it is the true story of the conjuring um this is like the parent family and the infield hauntings hold on why because they're so similar i just wanted to read the part because it ended up being funnier like i didn't get really any information from it other than people didn't think that it was real right somebody said montgomery 42 says i stopped reading the part where they said they were famous for exercising demons like doing an aerobics video (laughs) (laughs) and then roses and clovers said in 2017 even american demons are morbidly obese (laughs) and then the portals of frenzy responded the exorcist was a great movie about a guy who stays in shape (laughs) um but yeah everybody on this thread pretty much agrees that like the warrens the the their cases don't seem real but they're excellent storytellers yeah that's all i have well good job Eh, you good job (laughs) yeah i mean i i really wanted something to be going on because they have some evidence where the other places just don't have anything to show for themselves however it's been picked apart so much where i'm like it's really really hard for me to suspend like my belief beyond those hurdles well the picked apart portions are very valid points like they were saying that when janet was possessed her terminology would not match a 63 year old man Man. and like she would lose her train of thought just like or he would lose his train of thought just like she did like she would veer off topic and it was just like the it was like holding a conversation with a 10 year old at that point essentially and it just isn't it seems too convenient, I think. Yes. Are we going to say hoax? I think we lean towards hoax. I think so. Honestly. Ed and Lorraine, what are you doing? 
making a lot of money. I looked up how oh, much they were worth. It ranged from one million to twelve million dollars. Yeah, honestly, and good for them. But it's it's cases like these that like kind of just make you a little bit disheartened for paranormal stuff in general. Like they're such a big name. Mm-hmm. you want to put stock behind them like how can if you can't believe ed and lorraine who can you believe well as we've learned don't believe them yes but yeah that's it that's it where are we going next week we are doing one more ed and lorraine-esque case um and it's in connecticut and that's all you get and then we're done and then we this, are done <laughs> with this series. This this little this little stretch. We are done. This was not this did not go the way that we planned it back oh, in no. September. No, no, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, what's your sage moment? My sage moment was my trip. Um, as we talked about last episode, I went up to Massachusetts with Joe and we did like a road trip. We stayed in Annapolis for like five minutes, long enough to get a crab cake. We didn't even go into town. We ordered DoorDash. Did you like the crab cake though? It was the biggest crab cake I have ever seen in my life. Did you like it? Did you like it though? It was, I was thinking it might be hit or miss because it's not really the season for crabs. So it wasn't bad. It wasn't wasn't the best. It wasn't the best crab cake I've had in my life. It was definitely the biggest. Like I kid you not. It was like half a pound of crab where'd you get it from chicken roots they are good not maybe for their crab cakes but yeah we got in we had driven all day and we got in and we were just like we got to the hotel we're just like okay we're just we're just gonna stay here the crab cake was good and then we made our way up into massachusetts because we were going to martha's vineyard and so we went through like pennsylvania and got to see all of the cows and even some Amish people, which was neat. But didn't go to Hershey Park, but that's okay. We didn't. We were on a time crunch that day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had a lot of a lot of time or a lot of land and not a lot of time. Yeah. Um, but it was beautiful. We nice. hung around Martha's Vineyard a couple of days. Everything was closed because it's off season, but it was still really pretty. We went to a couple of beaches. I'll nice. send you some pictures to put on the gram. But it was a really solid trip then on the way back i got on the wrong got off on the wrong bus stop in boston and this very nice boston accented man helped me get on the right bus to the right airport and it was just i was texting you the whole time you were this saga that was was the day it was an odyssey to get home it was yeah it was an adventure it was an adventure well but it's good to be home yes it's always good to be to be home in the end. What is your sage moment? My sage moment is a similar thing. I went on a little mini trip with my mom last weekend. My mom and I are both estheticians by trade. Um, and we went to the skincare, the international skincare show in Miami. It was Sunday and Monday. And it was a very... We literally left like four o'clock Saturday morning, like four o'clock Sunday morning. 
Oof. and got there at like 11, walked around the show until our hotel opened up. My mom did not realize how expensive Miami Beach was. Mm. Um, she also did not realize that they charge resort fees. Mm. The hotel was so cute. It was very Miami Beach, but like older Miami Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, and the hotel room was pretty nice. My mom, we got in there and she was like, don't touch anything. <laughs> don't touch it. Don't take anything. Um, don't, you know, don't break anything. Um, because she just wasn't expecting how expensive it would be. Uh, we were planning on walking on the beach and hanging out for a while. But of course, uh, Hurricane, I can't remember what the hurricane Nicole. Cole uh Nicole. was was coming through not through but she was approaching yeah. um you didn't want to get like stranded yeah it, it rained that night it was really windy um so we just decided to go home on Monday morning so it was literally like just like a day and a half trip um but it was fun I love spending time with my mom I got some products wasn't you know that bad of a trip at all so and you know as an adult I don't get to spend nearly as much time with my mom as I would like to so yeah it was good, good to get away all around solid weekends yes very very glad that this was all I had to do this weekend though <laughs> yeah same well I mean I had a lot of homework to do this weekend I'm still chiseling through it but like the fact that I don't have to leave my house this weekend is very nice yes the fact that I didn't have anything super like obligation-y because this is not an obligation for me. Love this podcast. Love doing it. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just have to grocery shop and that's it. It's, it's great. great. Well, is that well, it, friend? That is it. I hope everybody had a great weekend. I hope your week is starting off good because this is coming out on Tuesdays. I hope and- you're slowly getting used to that time change that we all hate. God, yes. You know? <laughs> I'm sorry that the sun goes down so early. We tried to talk it out of it and it just didn't happen, but maybe next year. Maybe next year. Um, and then we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. As always, we love getting suggestions from you guys. Be sure to send us your recommendations of stories to cover, locations to visit, ghost tours to go on, and all that good stuff. You can send it to hauntedorhoaxpod at gmail.com or DM us on social. Yeah, you can find all of our links to social as well as episodes and blogs on our website, hauntedorhoax.com. And if you feel like helping us out, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or just drop us a few stars on Spotify. Bye. Bye.